Whatever you're working on, we'd like to help. If you've got questions about those projects or more, call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974, because we are here for you. Coming up on today's program, here's one project you might like to do. Do you want to grow your own home remedies right in your backyard? We're going to talk you through some easy-to-grow herbs for surprisingly effective herbal medicine. And also ahead, backyard honeybee hives are becoming a huge trend. We're going to tell you what all the buzz is about coming up. And you can decide if that's something you want to get into. I know people are going, no way, am I working with bees? Well, it's actually pretty safe, I guess, if you do it right un- until it's not. Is, is that fair to say? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, over the winter, you know, the combination of road salt and freezing weather can do some real damage to concrete steps and walks and patios. So if you've got some pieces of concrete that are missing, if it's cracked and chipped and spalled, we're going to tell you how to restore those surfaces. It's, it really is an easy do-it-yourself project. If you do it right, we'll share it, what you need to do. And with all the gardening that we're doing these days, you're going to love the giveaway that we have for one lucky listener. From Centurion Brands, we're giving away their collapsible watering can, which is great for small space gardens, along with a few accessories for a total package value of $55. So let's get to it. The number is one eight 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 money pit You can also post your questions at MoneyPit.com. Leslie, who's first? Beth in Texas is on the line with a painting question. How can we help you today? I had four columns on the uh, front of my house, and I live downtown in an old neighborhood that has beautiful 150-year-old oak trees. I have these four columns, and I have uh, the wood rots out from the it has it's, those columns sit on concrete. Okay. And uh, last time I had them fixed, which was about 10 years ago, they put like a, a plastic or some kind of a block that's the same size as the columns. It's a barrier, kind of, a moisture barrier, maybe, between the concrete and the pole. Uh, so then time passes, and here comes the rod again. And so I said, oh, my gosh. So I dug out the rod again. I went to Home Depot, and I got some of that product that, um, you know, you can fill in with. Uh, like a Bondo. Right, right. It's some kind of, a, it has wood in it, but it's plastic. It's something I don't know what it is. But anyway, I did that. And, of course, my wounds were so deep, I could only put, you know, later about a fourth inch in, and it took me forever to fill up the, the little holes. And so I finally got it to the edge, and I sanded it. It looked pretty darn good, and so um, I painted it. And then I put the first coat on. I said, oh, this paint's kind of thin, so I, I put another coat on. So in the meantime, here comes all this pollen from these giant oak trees and all this stuff that falls from the trees on my freshly painted mm-hmm. wood. I started crying. Oh, I no. I started crying because I didn't know what in the world to do about paint. I mean, that stuff just sucked it up like a sponge. 
And so, I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. All right. Well, where are you now with the comms? Are you at a point where you need to replace them again? Or are you trying to just figure out a fix? Well, actually, what I did is I went back and I lightly sanded. I waited for a while and then I sanded it lightly and then I put another top coat on it. And, and I, I, I don't know. I still have little, I don't know what it is. It's not yellow pollen, but it's something, you know, it's kind of, it, my paint is bumpy. It's not. It's not nice like it should be after all that work. Well, here's a couple of solutions. You do need to sand it if you want to get the surface nice and smooth again. That's truly the only thing that's going to get rid of the pollen that sort of embedded itself into that wet paint. Then once you get a nice smooth surface on that column again, what you want to try to do is, and I know it would be a pain in the butt, but it's going to be super duper duper helpful. If you can get some paint tarps, plastic, canvas, whatever, if there is a way to sort of build a tent in these tarps around you know, the area to keep the pollen from sort of wafting in there while the paint is drying and while you're painting, you know, it'll be unsightly while the process is happening just because your beautiful front of your home will be draped in tarp. But it will actually help to keep the air circulating behind it to actually dry the column paint, but it will keep things from landing on it. So I would look into a way to do that. You know, they make all sorts of little prop poles and different things that work for, um, tarps, but also, you know, a couple of good clips. Maybe you've got, you know, an overhang there or something that you can clip onto without damaging a gutter. So, you know, that really could do the trick. Now, fast forward to a couple of years down the road, when you end up with such an amount of rot again, you might want to consider replacing the columns with an architectural composite column. Now, in a lot of cases, because your wood column is actually a support, correct? Yes, ma'am. So what you might end up doing is they might replace that wood column, since you've done that before, they might replace the wood column with some sort of post that would be metal, that would be structural, and then there is an actual decorative wrap that looks exactly like the same type of fluted column or whatever type of column you might have that wraps around that support pole and then is a composite. So once it's painted and finished, you won't have to paint it again for a long, 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 long time because it's not made of an organic material. It's not going to take that moisture up that you're getting from the concrete and it's going to simply clean up with, you know, soap and water. So, you know, keep that in mind for down the road, and they would do that, you know, column at a time and make them structural. So there are ways to get around it, but you're going to have to sand again. I, I know. I It didn't look too bad, but it didn't look too good either. <laughs> but thank you so much. I'll try those uh, tips, all right? Beth, it sounds like you got your work cut out for you on that job. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Stephen, Illinois, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Looked outside this year, and we've got a building that was built in 1929. It's got a porch above the the patio down below, and and on the exposed uh, joists, uh, those carpenter bees have uh, put some holes in there, and uh, we're looking for a way to uh, eliminate the carpenter bees and not necessarily poison everything in the neighborhood. Well, part of what they're doing is, you know, they really enjoy eating this natural wood. So they're coming there because you've got something tasty to offer up. And, you know, it turns out that they love to bore these holes that are like perfectly three eighths inches, you know, round. So you can do a couple of things. You can um, you can have it treated by a pest professional and then seal up those holes. And that should do the trick. But you're right. You know, chemicals are used and that might not be what you have in mind. The other thing is you can cover that or replace that joist completely or whatever the support is with a 
synthetic wood or a composite that looks like wood, but it's not actually wood. It could be extruded PVC. It could be recycled plastics. This way, it looks like wood. It's doing the same job that the wood piece was. However, carpenter bees, carpenter ants, termites, whatever pests like to eat a natural source is wood, they're going to try it. They're not going to get into it, and they're going to be really confused and fly away and find somewhere else to eat. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds uh, like like an option. That, uh, that, uh, yeah, I was wondering if there was something that, uh, you know, that I assume that painting it would not uh, make a difference. I didn't know if there was something that uh, could be topically applied to it that uh, would be would be environmentally friendly and, and uh, keep the bees out. Mm-mm. I've had them eat through the painted wood that makes up my entire screen and porch. And then what happens is they bore a hole, but they won't bore all the way through. They'll bore into the wood, even if it's just like a one by six or whatever. They find a way to bore into it and then bore through the wood itself and lay their eggs in there. Okay. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It looks like you do, somebody got out with a drill and drilled the hole in there. It's just bizarre. It's perfect how they do it. So essentially, the, the, the option basically are are having someone come out and and treat it or or either covering or changing the material that's there. Yeah, changing material is usually the best bet because they won't eat it. And then as an added benefit, you know, it doesn't require any maintenance except the occasional cleaning. You know, you're not going to be painting it all the time. It really is a win-win situation. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I'll look look into that. uh, I've got a contractor that's got to come out anyway, so I'll, I'll look into into both options, but it, it sounds like if, if I'd prefer something that uh, wouldn't have to do with pesticides. Steve, I hope that takes care of those carpenter bees once and for all. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, now that the weather is really turning gorgeous in almost all the parts of the country, everybody's outside doing lots of gardening and making their whole outdoor space look lovely. So we've got a great prize for all of those outdoor activities around the garden. It's the Centurion brand collapsible watering can plus garden accessories. It's got a convenient storage option if you've got limited space by collapsing. It's drip and leak proof, even as a reinforced plastic frame for carrying and standing. And we are also going to get a soft kneeling pad and a collapsible bucket so it's all about saving space and making your garden beautiful the watering can's worth 29 dollars, but the total package with accessories is worth 55 bucks that's going out to one caller drawn at random so if you love gardening and you've got a home improvement decor or gardening question call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT Andrea from Ontario, Canada is on the line with a mold question. How can we help you today? My question would be hi um, regarding black mold and it's um, sort of Behind my sink, between the sink and the backsplash, there's a little bit of space, and this black mold settles in. There's a lot of moisture, obviously. We're running the water, and it splashes. So um, behind and around the sink, as well as around my tub, I tried bleach. I scrubbed it. We, at one point, uh, took out the caulking and recocked it, but it came back. So I'm at a have a loss what to do with this mold is going to grow any place that you have an organic material which could be drywall or it could also be believe it or not soap scum uh can have organic matter in it and that can feed mold and so you have a condition there that's going to be prevalent to mold regrowth even when you clean it it's going to come back you're not going to permanently prevent it unless you change the, the environment the climate uh that uh that exists in that particular area so um with respect to the tile area, let's deal with that first. When you retiled, when you re-caulked, I'm sorry, you, did you pull all the old caulk out? Pulled it all out, dug it all out. Um, it was actually our contractor who said, keep it 
like very dry, bone dry, he called it. And then uh, once we had it all dried out, then he came back and put a layer of this white material. I'm not not exactly sure what it was, but he finished it off. Okay, so you're not quite sure where the product is. Here would be the steps. When you pull the old caulk out, you need to spray the joint between the tub and the tile with a bleach solution. That's going to kill any mold spores that are left behind. Then after that's dry, um, one additional step, fill up the tub with water because it makes it heavy and it pulls it down. And then you caulk it. And when you caulk it, you want to use a product that has mildicide in it. Now, DAP, for example, has a caulk that has an additive called microban. And microban will not grow mold. It will prevent it from growing. And so if you use the right product and you take the step of, of treating it with a bleach solution first before you apply it, that helps it to last as long as possible. But again, if you don't control humidity conditions, eventually it will come back. As for the sink, the same advice um, applies you not only have to clean it, which takes away the visual, but you have to spray it with a mildicide. And so you could mix, say, a 10 to 20% bleach solution with water and then uh, let it dry, and that will help prevent it from coming back. I'll try that. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Well, growing herbal medicines in your garden provides plenty of benefits. You know, aside from cutting down the cost of buying these products online or at a store, herbal medicines can deliver a lot of health benefits as well as a few garden cures in just a few feet of gardening space. And that's why more people than ever are now growing these herbs in their own gardens or even inside the house. Yeah, and I think a lot of times people are looking at some herbs that are super popular and easy to grow, and I think there's three that really come to top of mind. The first being turmeric. Now, that's an amazing natural pain reliever, and it's said to help with arthritis, stomach aches, diabetes, headaches, and so much more. And garlic, I mean, it's great to cook with, but WebMD also tells us that garlic is most commonly used for conditions related to the heart and the blood system, and these conditions can include high blood pressure, high levels of cholesterol or other fats, lipids in the blood, and the hardening of the arteries. So garlic tastes good and it's super good for you. And the other one that people love to grow is lavender. I mean, it's the most relaxing plant out there. And aside from its amazing calming powers, lavender is also known to improve blood circulation. It's great for pain relief. You can treat acne with it. It's great if you've got teens at home or an 11-year-old who thinks he's 14 and doesn't quite know how to wash his face that great yet. So much with being at home, my goodness. But lavender is fantastic for so many things. If you want a full list of other herbs that you can grow at home along with their medicinal benefits, head on over to moneypit.com. 888-666-3974. You got a gardening question? Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Stan, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Oh, well, I had just bought a house that was built in 1995. It's a 4,000-square-foot underground home. Wow, that sounds neat. And it's not a transformed, like, um, missile? (laughs) I've been to Oklahoma, and I've seen these, like, missile launching areas that have been sort of retaken over and turned into homes. No, this is actually a underground concrete structure that was specifically built to be a house. Do you get to mow your roof? Yes, I do. Interesting. (laughs) Very cool. So what can we help you with? Well, um, I knew when I bought this that it had a few leaks. And um, being that the house is getting close to being 20 years old, um, I feel that it's time to probably remove the dirt and expose and probably replace the roof, and especially since I have some leaks. And uh, 
I'm having trouble finding somebody that that deals with any kind of underground structure home, um, and especially like in the uh, roof ceiling um, of that nature. And uh, I was curious if, I mean, I'm sure this is probably going to be an expensive uh, undertaking, but furthermore, after I go back and get it all done, when I find the contractor to do it, um, what maybe is there some care uh, preventative maintenance that how I care for that uh underground roof system uh so i'm not coming back you know at a later date and time and going back through the same process there's no way we could give you the answer to that question but we can give you some advice on how to approach it what i would do is uh, i would find an architect to spec out this roof project because it's a big project four thousand square foot roof and I would have an architect or an engineer spec out the project. Let them do the research on what is the most viable materials out there right now available to replace this roof with. And have them provide prepare a specification for that. It's worth the investment because then with that spec, you can bring it to qualified contractors, and I would guess probably the best contractors will be those that do commercial roofing, not residential roofing. And have them have them follow this specification exactly. I would not try to find a roofing contractor that has their own personal idea of how to do this, because you're not going to find somebody that's experienced in these homes is too unique. But if you find a building professional that could spec this out for you, do the research on the best way to replace that roof, that spec will be very valuable to you. Perfect. That's a Great idea. Never even thought of that. All right. Well, good luck, Stan. Hey, guys. I appreciate it. We've got to work smarter, not harder, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Appreciate it. Thanks. Arlene in Rhode Island's on the line and wants to stay cool this summer with some air conditioning. How can we help you with the project? I live in an 1,850-square-foot ranch that's 38 years old, and we installed the central air before the walls were sealed. Um, the access to the handler, which is in the attic, is 21 inches by 21 inches square. And they always told us if it ever broke, it would be a difficult problem to replace the handler in the attic. But lo and behold, last week, the the air conditioning went on for about an hour, and then it stopped. I called my service contract people. They came. They said, they went up into the attic, and they said, the handler is dripping grease. It's old. It's, it has a fan belt, which is no longer used, right. and it's time to get rid of my air conditioning system okay. and get a new one or replace. Well, they could fix it for $800, but it might not be good forever. Right. Okay. So I've been, I've been interviewing companies. They told me to do that. I'm a little bit agitated on it now. And I know that I want a five-ton handler in the attic and a 13-sphere compressor on the outside. My compressor is only 10 years old, but I think it wouldn't be compatible. How big is your house? 1,850 square feet. Uh, Five tons is a lot of air conditioning uh, for that size house. Usually you would use three to four zone, three to four tons. If you oversize the air conditioning, what's going to happen is it's going to cycle on or off very quickly. You could actually overdo it, and it'll be really inefficient. But okay, I, I'm guessing that your question is, how do you get the air handler back up in the attic? Well, everyone said they can make a new opening and put a new vent in, and it'll give it more circulation, and it's a good thing to do. 
Right. The last person I interviewed said he can get it up a five ton up into the attic because the one he's going to supply and the manna comes in two pieces. Okay. He said, and that will be better because if it ever needs a repair, you just click open the two pieces. I never heard of a two-piece five ton, and I'm wondering what your opinion is because he gave me the best price. It was $3,000 cheaper than everyone else. Yeah, well, it's hard to tell because a lot of these guys bid you and not the project. But Amanda is a good brand. Yeah. So I have no issues. I have no issues with that. I would just do some research on the contractor. But by the way, you know, um, making a bigger opening is not that big of a deal. It, it might seem like a big of a deal, but it's really a pretty simple carpentry project. It's just an additional project that you probably didn't want to face. Is there any storage space up there if you were to make it bigger? Could you take advantage of that? crawl space, Adam. Total crawl space, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, a carpenter that knows what he's doing can open, can double the size of that hole in, in about an hour. It's really not hard. Listen, you know, I just before you make the commitment to the five ton, I'm just telling you, for an 1,800 square foot house, that's that's over, it's probably overkill. And I don't want you to get in a situation where there's, you know what it means? When I say cycling, you know what that means? It means the air conditioning comes on and it goes off. It comes on again, goes off. It goes on, off, on, mm-hmm. off. So what will happen is it will never run long enough to dehumidify your house. And as a result, you'll feel cold and clammy. Oh. It's really not good. So you want to put the right size unit in, okay? You want to put the right size unit in. And, and generally, it's about 600 square feet per ton. So that's only three tons for your house. So I'm thinking three to four, and I'm thinking five might be too big. Okay? Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 and, and And well done doing all the research on this. Well, if fresh local honey sounds good to you, you might be surprised that you don't have to go to the local farmer's market to get some. You actually don't even have to go further than your own backyard. Well, that's right. Backyard honeybee hives are becoming very popular because honeybees, for the most part, are actually quite docile. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you mess with them, they're going to mess with you. (laughs) They do have stingers, but they die when they sting, so they're not really motivated to, you know, commit uh, bee Harry Carey (laughs) by stinging you. So, I mean, what's the attraction of having a backyard beekeeping setup? Well, a lot of people are into it because they like the idea of fresh, delicious local honey. And the hive also produces beeswax, which you can make into candles, lip balm, wood furniture polish. I mean, so many other things. Plus, I've heard ingesting honey from local bees sort of helps boost your immunity to the local allergens in your area because you're taking in that actual pollen, so you'll be able to fight it better. Ooh, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really as hard as you might think to get started on beekeeping. You can pretty much order everything you need online, including the bees, by the way, and have it delivered right to your front door. I guess you probably should warn your family not to open all the boxes, though. <laughs> oh, God, could you imagine? <laughs> Whoops. That <laughs> but the first would be step, a disaster. Yeah, the first step is really though, picking out a great spot for the hive. So one big factor is really protection from the wind. You want a spot that's sheltered by trees or a fence or a higher part of your yard. And you also want a spot that gets lots of sunlight. So the sunlight's going to give the warm for the bees. So a south-facing spot is always good for beehives. So as you can see, not hard. Of course, there's a lot more to it than we had time to talk about it, but not terribly difficult, but a very rewarding and sweet project to take on right about now.
Well, it's almost the official start of summer. We can call it that Memorial Day. And whatever it is you are doing in your area, you're probably doing your best to keep your yard looking lovely and ready for the summer season. So we've got a great prize for you this hour. It's the Centurion Brands Collapsible Watering Can plus Garden Accessories. I love that. It starts as a watering can and then it goes flat so you can store it away super easy. And it even comes with a collapsible bucket. Who knew? How about that? The whole package is worth 55 bucks going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. Post your question at moneypit.com or call us now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. All right. We're going to talk decks and how to keep them beautiful with John in North Carolina. What can we do for you? Well, we decided to take unused space and turn it into a deck. So we spent about four months. We toyed with treks and pressure treated and settled on cedar. And it looked absolutely gorgeous. We put a, a cabinet SPF stain on it, and uh, that was we finished last September. Uh, this spring, we look out the window, and it's like kind of whitish. It's not the honey color. It's like a western cedar is what we have. But okay. uh, so I got with Cabot, and you know they were very surprised. I guess they're going to work something out with us. But is there something, either a stain or a, uh, I'm thinking like a polyurethane or something, that's specific for cedar? It seems to be an unusual kind of wood. It's not that unusual. I mean, basically what you want to do is you're going to want to prime it first, and then you're going to cover it with a solid color stain. If you use a semi-transparent stain, you'll you may see more of the grain you'll still see it through solid color but you don't have as much um as as much pigment in it so it doesn't last quite as long but if the side if the deck is is uh, primed first and w- when i prime cedar i use an oil based primer and then on top of that um i'll use a solid color stain and it can last a really really long time well the only thing is we didn't want to do the solid solid color because the cedar looks so beautiful. Yeah, I get that. But the thing is, you're not going to preserve that natural color. Eventually, it's going to fade to gray. You may want, not want to do it now, but you will do it eventually. <laughs> it's going to happen with you or without you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all go gray, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it very much. All right, John. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, hey, over the winter, the combination of road salt and freezing weather can do some real damage to concrete surfaces. So if you've got steps or walkways or patios or driveways that are missing some chunks or they're just looking old and worn or dull, you know, it used to be that you had to put up with that until it's past its prime and then you had to tear it out and start again. But now there's a much easier solution. QuickCrete makes it and it's called Recap, R-E-C-A-P. Now, Recap lets you recap and restore your concrete surfaces with a completely new surface at a fraction of the cost of replacing it. Now, the new finish is beautiful, and it's going to last for years without separating from that old concrete below. And it's so easy to use that you can do this project yourself. All you need to do is wash the surface with a pressure washer and then apply it by squeegee, a trowel, or a brush. So with our patio, we have a a paver brick patio, but we had sort of like a concrete curb around the outside, and it was looking very cracked and chipped just because the water, the way it was sitting on it over the years. And I used Recap to completely restore 
surface it, and it looked like a brand new curb when I was done. It really was easy to use. Recap gives you an opportunity to create a, a durable finish as well. It's going to last for a lot of years. You should see this video uh, that they have on quickcrete.com. Check out the recap video at quickcrete.com. It's Q-U-I-K-R-E-T-E.com. If you've got some concrete surfaces that are not looking so hot, this is the solution. It's inexpensive, it's easy to do, and it's going to last a really long time. Mary in Wisconsin, you've got the money pit. What can we help you with today? I'm redoing my basement, and I'm wondering about flooring. Um, it has had a rubber-backed carpet, which has been taken up, so we're down to the concrete. And I'm just wondering what would be a good thing to put back down on the floor there. So rubber-backed carpet was kind of popular at one point in time, but generally speaking, we don't recommend carpet for basements because they're so damp. You can build up a lot of uh, uh, of, of debris down there that can cause allergic reactions. You get dust mites and, and all that sort of thing that will nest in the carpet. So I would look to a smooth surface material. So your options might be laminate floor, which is beautiful. It could look like hardwood floor or tile. Um, it's made of different composite materials. It's it's very very tough surface, and it floats. It doesn't. It's not glued down. It floats on top of the floor. Or you could choose a special type of hardwood floor called engineered hardwood. Now, solid hardwood would not be recommended for a basement because it's too moist. But engineered is made up of different layers of hardwood. It kind of looks like the guts of it kind of look like plywood, but the surface it looks like a regular hardwood floor. You can't really tell the difference once it's down. And I think that would be a good option as well. Uh- um, I really like the carpet down there. <laughs> Use area rugs. You're just going to be sad. It's just going to cause a lot of problems. It's going to make you feel yucky. It's going to feel damp down there. And it's a very dated look today, too. I mean, things have changed in terms of decor. And I, I think the solid surface uh, of a laminate floor or an engineered hardwood floor would, would be much more um, common today. Is there something feasible in a price range, though? Yeah, I mean, laminate floor is really affordable. You, you can get that for as little as maybe four bucks a square foot. Yeah, you know what? Go online. I've seen laminate flooring just south of $2 a square foot. So there's really some great options that are very affordable out there. Okay, thank you. Mary, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, pick up the phone and give us a call. But remember, post your question on the Money Pit's Facebook page, just like Gary did. Now, Gary writes, my water pressure is pretty poor, and I'm pretty sure it's due to the fact that the water line from the street is more than 50 years old and made of galvanized steel. I can't even do a load of laundry and take a shower at the same time. Outside of replacing this pipe, is there a pump I can install to increase the pressure for the whole house or even just the bathroom? Seems like that might be a solution, but really it's not. Because if this pipe is rusted, which it most obviously is, if it's rusted, what happens with steel pipes, Gary, is they they rust kind of like a clogged artery. You know, they basically push inward so that the opening is very, very tiny. If you started with like three quarters of an inch, you can get down to the width of a pencil because the rust, as it expands, rust expands to fill about eight times the space of the steel that it came from. So it really will push in and shut down these pipes. And even if you were to add more pressure to it, you might just blow a hole in that pipe because a lot of times what happens is you'll get pinholes in these old galvanized pipes and a little bit of water drips out and then the mineral salts that are in that water sort of form like a scab over the hole. And I always tell people not to wipe those away because then you get a bunch of leaks that start all over again. So really, this is time to start the pipe replacement project. I know you're trying to avoid this, but it is time to do that. It's probably past time. And frankly, if you don't take 
take it on now. You may be forced to take it on at some point in the not so distant future when you get a major break in this pipe. And if you're really unlucky, it could happen, you know, when you're not home and cause a lot of damage. So here's what I would recommend. Here's how you approach this project uh, in a reasonable fashion. The first thing you want to do is you want to replace any visible galvanized piping in your house now. So in the basement, in the attic, any unfinished rooms, any place you find a piece of old steel galvanized pipe, you replace it now. That will result in some level of improvement of this problem. The second thing that you do is if you ever do a repair and open up a wall, you never put it back together without replacing the galvanized pipe. And the third thing you do is you replace that pipe from the house to the street. Now, if you got a big budget, do it all at once great. It's definitely a weakness. Um, I will tell you that uh, the new plumbing that's being used inside homes, PEX, P-E-X, stands for cross-linked polyethylene, is awesome stuff. You can feed this through walls uh, and floors and spaces that you could never get uh, galvanized pipe through or even copper pipe without having to do a lot of tear out of, of wallboard. This uh, PEX material, though, is very flexible, so you can really feed it through exactly where you need, and that makes the project a lot easier to get done. So that's what you really have to start thinking about now because it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. And right now, you have, uh, you know, still have a somewhat functioning system, but we don't want to have a major break happen, especially when you're not around. All right, next up, we've got a post from David in Colorado who writes, My roof is worn, and I was wondering if it would be a good idea to paint the shingles to make them last longer. I don't think you could do that. Yeah, well, I mean, some people do that. There are actually some, uh, I've seen some contractors sell that as like a new roof, but it's a really bad idea. The only kind of roof that you paint is a flat roof, and you use a type of aluminum paint on that that reflects sunlight, but for asphalt shingles, they are not designed to be painted. If they're worn, you should simply replace this roof. If you've got multiple layers, I would take it down to the sheathing, uh, but if you just got uh, one layer, you might be able to get away by putting a second layer on top of that. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We hope that we've been able to give you some tips and ideas and suggestions for projects to get done in and around your house. Whether you're doing these projects or you're dreaming about a future project, we will be here for you to help you every step of the way. Reach out to us anytime by calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your questions online at our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the Money Pit. For now, that's all the time we have as the show moves online. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.